Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Wednesday, July 13th, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what bogotas to go to, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. He's happy. It is Wednesday, July 13th, and this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, two Ben Jarofsky Show all-stars. <laughs> Legendary journalist Monroe Anderson and Sergio Mims. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Unhinged America Wednesday, and here's why. Because our country has become unhinged. That's why. There was a song popular when I was a kid called Undone. She's come undone. Now they should rewrite the song to become She's Come Unhinged. All right. Of course, I'm alluding to the fact that there was a meeting uh, in the White House, uh, Donald Trump and some of his closest <laughs> advisors, which just, just to show you how insane we are as a people when you hear who the advisors were. We're going to be talking all about this with Monroe. Absolutely. Whenever he weighs in, when he's done with his Tai Chi or his lunch, whatever we're waiting for, uh, we'll get into this with Monroe unhinged meeting. Uh, but on right on target Monroe Anderson before I bring him on though let me just say and finish my thoughts so unhinged America and um, generally folks I follow uh, the uh, January 6th congressional hearings uh, by listening to excerpts reading the articles in the after the hearings are done that's because I'm usually recording a show uh, I hired the hearings and uh, so I can't listen in real time on Roe Anderson, our ace correspondent who's covering uh, the congressional hearings for the Ben Jarofsky show at enormous expense. I've had to double his salary at least three times uh, in the last two years. He gets to listen in real time. So he knows what's going. But yesterday, as we I, we told you, uh, we did an early recording because I had a doctor's appointment. So I'm driving to the doctor's appointment and it was unbelievable. I heard from beginning to like, it was, I sat in the car and listened. So I listened to a good chunk of this uh, hearing for at least two hours, I want to say, the hearings as they unfold in real time. And I was very impressed. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I was very impressed. See, I like to believe that uh, as a very curious follower of the news, obsessive, you might say, uh, I don't need razzmatazz. I just need the news. So an old-fashioned hearing 
it's just fine for me where people testify and then there's you know accounts of their testimony and then i read about how unhinged and insane our president of the united states is and his advisors the former president of the united states the one you elected maga donnie trump he's crazy but i realize that i'm not like many many americans 40 to 45 percent of americans will follow donald trump off a cliff that's a frightening thought ladies and gentlemen doesn't matter what he says doesn't matter when he says it they will do whatever he says doesn't matter if what he says today contradicts what he says yesterday they will do it 45 percent then there's like 40 percent of like me and monroe who never voted for never liked him can't believe that he ever got elected would probably never in a million years support Donald John Trump unless all of a sudden he got into the White House and announced I am the new Bernie Sanders then I might be tempted <laughs> you realize he's a liar right <laughs> yeah it would take a little more than just him announcing it once you're right so that leaves the all-important swing voter the mythical suburban mom <laughs> you know what I'm saying back in the day they used to call them soccer moms you know, this is like people who are like barely paying attention and just weigh in every now and then. And, you know, and then they're going to make the decision. And they're the ones our entire democracy like rests on their shoulders. Because, again, 40 to 45 percent is MAGA. They're robots. They're ready to walk off a cliff. Whatever Donnie says, they Donnie says, go to that street corner. I'm going to shoot you. Yes, plus I'm going there right now. And then there's the 40 to 45 percent that I think are. You know, I hate to say it, folks. They're the intelligent people in America. Oh, I'm in trouble now. Monroe Anderson's in that intelligent company. These are people who like, you know, like when they hear the president saying something that's absolutely insane, they go, you know, I think we would call that insanity. You know, when they see the president of the United States, Donald John Trump, in the, in the summer of 2017, I think it was 2017, maybe it was 2018. I can't remember. It's all coming together. But when there were Nazis walking through streets in Virginia and Donald Trump could not get it together to denounce them, I would like to think that an overwhelming majority of Americans would have stood against Donald Trump and the Nazis at that point. But no, <laughs> no, they still voted for him. The man didn't have the guts to denounce Nazis. So that's why these hearings are so important. What I, what I realized is that the Democrats took a page from, I don't, I don't know who they took a page, Hollywood. I mean, these hearings are choreographed for a population that's used to watching I don't, sitcoms, dramatic, dramatic presentations on HBO. Like, they need a certain narrative. You got to help them out a little bit. So it's, it's like really riveting docudrama. You know, I'm just following him on road generally until yesterday. Again, reading articles. I get all the same information that Monroe Anderson and all the rest of the people who watch it in real time get. I get all the same information, but I don't get the impact. And I'm starting to realize, you know, I may not have given these guys credit. It's reality TV. It is. That's what it is. They took a page from Donnie Trump. Donnie Trump created reality. He always was, was a benefactor of reality. He didn't create it. Uh, he's probably here right now, Monroe, in part because he said, you're fired. 
Right. Oh, whoa, what a decisive businessman. Right. He reads the script, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, uh, looks good to me. So, yeah, Monroe, I have to admit, I mean, again, it was compelling testimony. And we'll get into the specifics. And we're also going to bring on uh, Sergio Mims. He's going to take a victory lap uh, because about two months ago, he came on the show and said uh, Joe Biden should not run for reelection. And now suddenly there's a, an insurgency brewing on the Democratic side. Monroe's ready to slam down like a fly. No, but uh, Sergio's ready to take that victory lap. But Monroe, I have to admit, I must confess, having heard it in real time, this is compelling political drama. Right. Well, you, you know what makes sports as compelling as it is, mm. is you don't know what the outcome's going to be. That's the most interesting thing about any sports show coverage game to me is that you don't know anything can happen. You don't know. And that's that's how they've presented this this um, this this committee these committee hearings because I've read all this stuff ninety percent of what they've talked about I knew either from watching MSNBC or reading or what have you but they they put it together and gave it a TikTok feel. And plus, there were a few surprises here. Well, there, I mean, let's get into that. I mean, the real uh, political geeks they, who write for the Washington Post and the New York Times, etc., they make a point of always saying they have to, well, the political geeks like us knew about this already. Man, you're like one out of a million. Most people don't know. So stop acting well, like you knew right, about no, it. Well, some of them reported it. So they definitely knew it. And they know more. I know, because, but I know, I, I understand the they report yes. everything they know. All right. But uh, so I understand the compulsion because if you know something and you report it and then the rest of the country doesn't pay attention, it's kind of stings. I know this from my entire career covering Chicago politics. So I, I understand. I'm just teasing you guys, you reporters, when you put, we knew this. I know you knew it. Okay. But the rest of us are catching on slowly. So that meeting on December 18th, was monumentally unhinged, to use uh, the words of one of the participants. That was a White House meeting. Donald Trump had already been defeated decisively by Joe Biden in the election, and Donald Trump was still clinging to the lie that somehow or other there had been a theft that snatched his victory from him, Monroe, and to he had been defeated in courts throughout the land because they had no evidence. So to bolster his spirits, he gathered what a crew of collection of lunatics, Monroe, Sidney Powell, Michael Flynn, and Patrick Byrne from the Overstock, or used to be the CEO of Overstock. Monroe, I just Giuliani. like... He, but in this one, Giuliani was more or less <laughs> the rational guy. As they would, he was called in. I can't. Oh, well, that, that part I'm not sure because he got escorted out before yes, the meeting was over. You're right. <laughs> he was escorted. And also, he was in, everybody else was in room one room, but he was in the Roosevelt room. <laughs> he got he lost. He figured out that he was being isolated. <laughs> he was going, it's kind of nice. I was in the Roosevelt room all by myself. So, you know, I, I'm I'm like hearing this testimony. A couple thoughts. One, just it it just accentuates uh, 
the surrealness of political uh, our country right now, where this utter lunacy, where they're insisting that the thermostat somehow or other uh, uh, impacting the vote count, and like they set up nest thermostats, very specific thermostats. Wow. Just so bizarre and twisted. And I realize 40 to 45% of America believes it, Monroe, believes it, including apparently Darren Bailey, who's running for governor of the state of Illinois. He hasn't denounced it. Uh, Thomas DeVore, who's running for attorney general in the state of Illinois. Just wake up, Illinois people. These could be your next leaders. And the rest of the country has to be convinced. The rest of the country's like, hmm, no, not the rest. Again, the undecided, the uh, the swing vote in the suburbs. Like, oh, I have to hear more testimony. I'm not quite sure what to believe. Monroe, I, I don't know what's more frightening. The fact that Donald Trump allowed these lunatics uh, into the White House uh, or that America. He didn't allow them. He invited. <laughs> he didn't allow. He invited. The the um, out the outsourced overstock overstock guy yeah, yeah. overstock guy yeah. he invited him because um, when the White House lawyer walked into the meeting he didn't even know who he was he said who and who are you <laughs> and he was told and the way that white a normal White House not a Trump White House but a normal White House would work is you don't get to come into the White House until you've, there's been a, back, a, a background check on you and you've been vetted. Because otherwise, any, any old assassin could come in and, and, and kill the president. So they have to know who you are. They check, they check your background to see if you've been arrested. I mean, they do all that. And this guy, um, the, the, the White House attorney didn't know this guy was there. No, and the white ass uh, uh, simply Trump's, Trump's inviting. Yeah. See, okay. So the White House attorney, see, this is how perverse this is. The employees who uh, were, quote unquote, the rational ones, just think about this, Monroe, had stuck with Trump until the bitter end. Right. I mean, the White House attorney was still Trump's, the White House attorney. You know, up until I want to say January, I think he was he closed out. He closed it out. He was right. there January yeah, 6th. Yeah, right. right. So, I mean, there's just a level of already deny what. Well, not, no, no. Well, part part of it was that they convinced themselves that they were the guardrails. That if if they left, no telling what would have happened, what Trump would have done. A lot of them rationalized it and said, well, if he replaced me, he would replace me with somebody who was as crazy as him. And so at least I can be around to try to to, to, to drag him back to, to the sane side. Well, uh, all right. That may be the argument that they gave uh, in December and January, but they were still sticking with him through the election. This is I mean, this is uh, this is an issue I have with even Liz Cheney. Like Liz Cheney will go, I was really disappointed in, when Donald Trump lost. I'm like, I'm like, I really appreciate the stand you're taking now in this at this moment in time. But again, what did you see in Donald Trump? 
leading up to the November uh, election that would make you want to have more of it, Monroe, I, I still feel as though there's a reckoning in America that goes even before right. January 6th. Now, even the so-called good guys, like, uh, uh, K- K- I don't know why, I, I forget his name, Kinsinger? Oh, Adam Kinsinger, yeah. Yeah, Sam Kinsinger. Um, as, uh, and Cheney, as good as they are, they're still Republicans. No. But you can't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> they're, just, uh, they, they're just anti-Trump Republicans yeah. and, and pro-Constitution Republicans. Well, but other than that, yeah, they're, they're Republicans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, all right. So your sense uh, of that December 18th meeting is clear, uh, Monroe, that since Donald Trump could not get consensus from absolutely everybody uh, in the White House to what? Uh, impound uh, the ballot boxes that contain the ballots and declare, you know, like what martial law uh, when it came with to the election. Can get yeah, the no, army he, uh, yeah, right. No, he wanted to, right. It, well, he didn't want all, all the um, voting machines, just the ones in the um, critical States that he lost that were made him president. <laughs> if only the vote was different. Yeah, he well, that's what he was after, and he 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 wanted the military to collect the bounce boxes, and then um, his people would would take over the president's people would take over counting the ballots to see whether they were legit or not. And I give you one guess as to what their conclusion would be if they were counting those ballots. You only get one. This is an intelligence test. <laughs> well, they would declare Donald Trump the winner, which they would have done anyway. Uh, because the reigning theory, which uh, we should never overlook, of Republican Trump supporters, which again is at least half the Republican Party right now. At least half. Uh, well, probably closer to seventy-five percent. If I'm yeah, looking at Illinois, seventy-five yeah. is that um, ballots cast in cities with large po- black populations don't get to uh, count. Yeah. That's their theory. Right. I mean, guys, I, I, that's your theory. I didn't. That you wanted to throw out the votes in Detroit, Philly, Miami, Atlanta. It, I mean, it's like. And so if you throw those ballots out, Monroe, then Donald Trump gets to be president again. And that's that's what they were trying to do. Right. Uh, and so it's and that's why I'm saying, folks. But, but you know, I'm, and part of the problem is there, you know, you, you, you talk about you're being in a bubble when you're doing your show. Yeah. They are in a constant bubble. They, they only talk to each other. They live next to each other in segregated communities. Mm. They watch Fox, which lies to them all the time or deprives them of the real information. And so their reality is that Trump won. Yeah. So they don't know anybody who didn't vote for Trump. 
Uh, Fox tells him uh, how, how wonderful Trump is and that um, everybody thinks he's um, able to walk on water. So in their reality, you know, when I fight with them on Facebook, and I don't do that often anymore, but um, I, I, I would, I, when they would make these preposterous claims, I tell them, well, that may be happening on Pluto, but here on planet Earth, <laughs> this is what's going on. Yeah. Uh, Sergio Mims has joined us, ladies and gentlemen, the great Sergio Mims has joined us. We're going to let him take his little victory lap in a little bit, uh, but we're going to finish this uh, conversation up, and then I can't wait to see Monroe's rejoinder uh, when Sergio takes that victory lap about his Joe Biden prediction. Um, so anyway, Monroe, uh, back to the December 18th meeting, he, since he could not convince uh, even those who had stayed loyal to him till the very end uh, that they were going to impound the ballots. He went to plan B, apparently, which is to uh, incite a riot uh, or uh, plan C. Okay. What was plan A? I forgot what plan A. Oh, I have the Supreme Court declare the uh, election null and void and just turn. Well, plan no, A. And B no, he had, the, he, he had the fake electoral people. Electoral. Electoral, electoral uh, yeah. Electoral people uh, who were going to replace the, those who were going by what the vote actually was. They were going. They, they were going to replace them. They yeah. attempted to do it in, in several states, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and therefore declare Trump won instead of what the voters actually right. did. That was one of the plans. Yeah. The other plan, of course, was to have the courts overrule. Yeah. The election, claiming that the the, the ballots were 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 the elections weren't fair. They went to. They had twenty. Oh, sorry, sixty-two court challenges, of which they won one. And 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 these were challenges before, in in many instances, judges that Trump had appointed. And and um, the problem is they showed up with no evidence whatsoever of the claims they were making. Yeah. They had hunches and um, theories and rumors. Yeah, yeah, no, and and so finally, Plan C then uh, was take it to the streets, right? And that's uh, so, and that's when Trump issued uh, his tweet. Uh, it's going to be wild. Come to Washington. Uh, the call went out, and MAGA, the ex- MAGA extremists, uh, followed. Uh, so I'll ask you this question, then we'll bring Sergio in Monroe. Uh, w- when you put it all together and you look at who showed up, uh, do you believe? And I noticed they. The, the the reason I ask this question, the congressional, uh, the Congress people running the meeting sort of distinguish uh, between two categories of insurrectionists. One, the uh, Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys who are hardcore uh, militia and uh, want to beat up the other side. And then no, they, quote, wanted, quote, they wanted a revolution. They a revolution. Start okay. the third world, I mean, the, a second civil war, literally. Okay, well, yeah, they live. Okay. Or uh, an ordinary uh, Trump voters who just sincerely believe uh, <laughs> the, the BS they've been fed. Do you make that distinction yourself or do you kind of clump everybody together? No, there's, there's, you know, it's a, 
it's a distinction without a difference. <laughs> no, there's some the difference between the the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers is those those people are are, are they they want to just throw out government completely. Mm. They they want to establish. Um, they want the country really the country. They want to go really back to um, taking their country back, as in going back to 1853, not even 1953. You know, if they um, had their way, we, we um, Sergio and I would be back in the cotton field. Yeah. <laughs> well, All right, let's so, go. I would be in the house. Sergio would be in the house. Actually, I'll be in the house. I'd be in the field. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, by the way, to this point, Sergio. Uh, well, first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, Black Harvest, co-founder of the Black Harvest Film Festival, uh, dear friend of the Ben Jarowski show. Uh, not afraid to go on a limb with his political predictions. Uh, it was over a month ago that he came on this show and said Joe Biden will not run for re-election, and he did that in passing, Monroe, because he was denouncing Kamala Harris. <laughs> Because yeah. he's never been a fan of Kamala Harris and never yeah, been afraid. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, what are you? And he, and he's never f- afraid to be wrong. That's what I love about him. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get to the, the victory lap. Uh, apparently, everybody else, a lot of people are joining uh, Sergio in the Don't Run Joe camp. Yeah, uh, don't run and won't run are two different things. Uh, okay. All right. We'll get to it. Uh, Sergio, uh, welcome back. Cotter, uh, number one and number two, uh, we're talking uh, congressional investigation of the insurrection on January 6th. I know you've been watching it. Um, and, uh, I was saying that, uh, the, I've watched it for the first time in real time. So I saw the narrative, uh, you're a movie man. Uh, you have been watching movies your entire life, critiquing them, talking about them. Um, what, how do you, how do you, uh, rate the uh, performance that the Democrats uh, are, are staging with the help of Liz Cheney in sort of rolling this out as reality TV to capture America? You know, it's like the, the facts as horrible as they are, aren't enough to convince America, you have to sort of package it in the right way. So how effective do you think this uh, production has been? I think it's been very uh, effective. It's must-see TV. The smart thing they did was they really thought about how to present this on television. There have been congressional hearings before on TV, many of them. They tend to go too long. They tend to get rather boring. They tend to get somewhat muddled in the weeds. What they did here is that um, each hearing is never more than two hours. Um, they ask pointed questions. They get they they concentrate on a specific uh, specific uh, uh, subject theme. And, each show is themed. Right, and and they do a really superb job. And if you watch it, it builds to a climax. Every hearing builds to a climax. I mean, the, the, the story, the, the one they had was a two weeks ago where they had the two women who were um, working at the polls. And they told their story, their experience, and it was just absolutely riveting. And we did a point when some people broke into the house of the grandmother 
of one of the women. Yeah. It's, it was, it's, it's extraordinary. And, and then that started out with, uh, what's the guy's name? Rusty Bowers. Yes. Yeah. The Republican who, um, once again, he was riveting. He was yeah. absolutely riveting. Um, they do it very, very well. Um, I was a little disappointed with the last one, which was Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the two men who they introduced, who were at the insurrection, um, they sort of tried to cover their tracks. Well, you know, I was there, but I didn't really do anything. You know, I, I kind of there began. I, I left early. Mm-hmm. You know, well, actually, well, I only think one was at the insurrection. He, he didn't. He didn't leave early. He um, he left when Trump said go. He uh-huh. came. He said he came because Trump told him to come, and when Trump said leave, he left. And the other guy um, had been a basically the spokesman, press secretary right. for for the um, Proud Boys. Yeah, or was it the Oath Keepers? Oath Keepers. Oath Keepers. Yeah. Oath Keeper. Yeah. And he had joined the Oath Keepers during the um, uh, Welfare Cowboy protests um, mm-hmm. where, where they wanted to feed their cattle on, on government property and the government said you got to get off the property or pay us and the, all, all the um, right wingers showed up with guns and the government backed down yeah and he was I, I forget the name of it it's somebody some cow um, something it's a family ranch and so- um, he uh, no, I was going to say, uh, finish your thought, and then I'm just going to follow up on something. Yeah. Anyway, he, he was with them, and he was their spokesperson. They were paying him, and um, he quit a, a two or three years ago. He, he quit because the leaders of the group were um, in some restaurant, and they were yeah, having discussion, right. yeah, about wh- whether the Holocaust happened or not. He didn't know that. Right, right. No, he that was a straw. No, he, he that was his wake up call. He said he yeah, sure. So Sergio, why were you disappointed with their testimony yesterday? Or with the the narrative? Go ahead. Uh I I really expected some people actually inside the Capitol. I you know who people who were convicted. I mean, both of those people have been convicted. I believe. No, only but one. Only one. Well, yeah. I, I would like to have heard people who were actually convicted, um, who had damaged property, um, and hear their testimony. I mean, and I well, let me phrase this. Rephrase it this way. I never got. Mm-hmm a real understanding of why they did what they did. I mean, what was it about Trump? What was it about his message? What was it about the whole stop the steal? What was it about the whole thing that made him do that? I never, there was never an answer to my satisfaction. Well, that, uh, that is sort of the um, underpinning of everything uh, that the setup and this is what I finally got to hear because I heard it in real time, Sergio. So in other words, uh, whether it's Congressman uh, Thompson from Mississippi, Congresswoman Cheney uh, from the, Re- the Republican from Wyoming, uh, or uh, any of the others who get an opportunity to speak, they have a preamble. And almost each one in their instance uh, says, 
the the uh, Joe Biden won the election. There is no evidence whatsoever uh, that uh, the election was stolen, that any credible source within the Trump universe has conceded the election, which, by the way, the, the notion of anyone credible in the Trump universe is a whole debatable issue, but whatever. Uh, and so the only person uh, who uh, was saying that Trump lost were Trump's and his wackiest uh, adherents, and they have sort of brainwashed good, ordinary people uh, into believing a lie. And that's what I was getting at with Monroe. Do you draw a distinction? So that's the answer to your question. They've been brainwashed. In other words, why would they go to the uh, storm the Capitol? Because the president that they worship told them to. That That's the narrative that was set up yesterday. And um, so... That to me brings it... What pull does, does this man have over these people? I mean... Yeah. I can see his appeal, but I, I, I'm still baffled about how is it that people really are, they live and die by him. Yeah. Well, we uh, last power of the presidency. So what? The power of the presidency. He's, he's being, being, being one of Trump's people. You, you, you have a certain power and presence that you didn't have before and that you don't want to forsake. You don't want to give it up. Well, I, the last week we had a guest, uh, Mark Wallace, uh, Sergio was on the show and he, uh, compared it, uh, to, uh, hearings of Jim Jones. And you gotta be a little old to know what that is. But Jim Jones, uh, was the reverend from San Francisco who led, what was it? About a hundred people into, uh, the jungles of Guyana. They right. created their own, uh, more than a hundred, more than a hundred. Yeah, uh, I and can't then, the number. It, was, it was like an incredible amount. It, it was. And they, and then he commanded them to, uh, uh drink poisoned Kool-Aid and kill themselves. Right. Uh, and, uh, and some, they, some had to do it by a gun, by gun barrel. <laughs> a, yeah. a lot of them said, "What are you crazy? I'm not doing this." And so they had a gun. Said, "Drink it, or I'll shoot you." Uh, Monroe, you made made mention of something in passing when we talked uh, earlier today about uh, the role played by Congressman Thompson uh, from Mississippi. And uh, by chance, I saw this Washington Post article. Uh, so it's a black man from Mississippi, a Democrat from Mississippi, who's the chair of this. Uh, committee and uh, there was an article in the um, I'm not making this stuff up Monroe and Sergio there was an article today in the Washington Post about how for the first time a black American a statue of a black American is in the statuary hall in Congress and the way this works follow me in this Sergio the way this works said each state as in by an act of the state legislature designates who will represent that state in a, with a statue uh, in this uh, in the halls of Congress, it's a great uh, tribute to somebody. And they finally got around. Um, this is just surreal, Monroe. Uh, they finally got around to uh, having a Mary McLeod Bethune's statue uh, placed in um, 
in, in the hall. She's representing the state of Florida, and she replaced, get ready for this, a Confederate general. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we are in 2020. And and there's some more Confederate generals that are still there. Yes. So, Monroe, when you just place, you think about that. Here we are, how many years after the Civil War? uh, And they're finally just now getting around to replacing some of the Confederate statues of Confederate leaders uh, from this great hall honoring Americans. Uh, and then you contrast that with the, the role of con- Congressman Thompson playing this hearing. Talk a little bit about that. No, they, you know, the the idea that a black man is the face on this committee, he's a leader of this committee that's um, exposing Trump, tying mm-hmm. Trump up, has to be driving these people crazy. The, 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 the MAGA nuts. Because the root, at the root of the whole MAGA movement is racism, white supremacy. And they have other names for it and other pretensions, but the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers are both uh, white supremacist groups. Uh, the, the, the Capitol Police who tried to control them and fight fight them from prevent them from taking over the capital were called all kind of n-words and what have you mm-hmm. when these guys were, were beating them um in fact officer dunn the ball guy the great yeah big, yeah, yeah uh, he one of his friends he, he he talked about how one of his friends another black cop couldn't believe that this was America, the way they were treated. And one of them said, well, nigga, you think you're so tough. Take off the gun and we'll see. Mm. Um, I mean, it was was just, it was horrible. Yeah. Which Uh, is why, I should mm -hmm. add, which is why I am happy that when one of, after the testimony yesterday, one of the uh, uh, insurrectionists went to the policemen who were there, including yeah. Dunn. Dunn has been yeah. there at every, at, oops, sorry. Hold on a second. Hey, he's been at every, every, um, every, every uh, committee meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, he refused to accept his apology. Yeah. He went to each one and apologized. I'm so sorry. Uh, I saw Dunn interviewed last night. He said, no, I didn't accept his apology. The other said, no, it, it means nothing to us. I'm very happy about that. Why? Well, because these guys think that, well, if I apologize, I show that I'm so sorry for what I did. You'll forgive me um, all as well. These policemen were severely injured. They can't work their jobs anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, They went through absolute traumatic experiences. And uh, a simple apology isn't going to cut it. Yeah. Uh, and Sergio, we talked about this briefly uh, before the show. Uh, generally, uh, MAGA has uh, a special reverence for law enforcement officers. Uh, I'd say they have this this cult within the cult. Yeah, blue uh, lives matter. Blue lives matter more than anything else. Uh, interesting in this instance, I've not seen any evidence whatsoever of MAGA 
coming to, um, you know, the aid of the uh, Capitol Police who are attacked. I get emails all the time, fundraising emails all the time from MAGA groups raising on behalf of uh, law enforcement officers who are killed or wounded or attacked in the line of duty. I've received nothing. Nothing, nothing regarding what the insurrection uh, and the assault on uh, well, Capitol Police. Well, as, as I told you earlier, MAGA, uh, these MAGA people, yeah, they support the police when they're going after black people. Right. Go after white people, then they got a problem. Which, can I add something else? Believe it or not, I have been following Darren Bailey's Twitter page. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, go. Darren Bailey is the uh, Republican candidate. Yes. You know, he sounds like a cast member from Hee Haw. And he is the uh, Republican candidate. Well, we got to do things and do things in the right way. If you look at his Twitter page, he he really does only two things. Only two things. One is attack Pritzer, Pritzer. The other thing is he's constantly reporting on violent crime in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's all he does. Anytime there's a shooting, there's, you know, the weekend numbers come out, he, he posts that. That's his thing. Now, he doesn't present any solutions. He doesn't present any plans. It's just that, Chicago, as he said, Chicago's a hellhole. And he, that's a winning strategy for, for people. I, I get this thing for him. Let's just constantly go after Chicago as the worst place in the world. Don't forget, this is a guy who presented a resolution to make uh, Chicago an independent state. Yes, to secede from, the, I think it was, I think he made a, I have to look at that map again, but uh, it may have been Cook County. Uh, Chicago is part of Cook County, but whatever. Your point's well taken. Uh, he was part of a uh, uh, what was it? Uh, a movement, if you will, to secede from Chicago. Uh, it's an interesting concept, by the way. If that happened all over the country, it would actually work to the disadvantage, I think, of the uh, Republicans because if you chop up Illinois into separate states, uh, then you give more senators. Well, it wouldn't be the case in Illinois, but in other states, in other words, I'm saying like if you do Idaho, they want us to secede in Idaho, that would give Idaho two blue senators. So it's just an interesting concept. It would not work to their advantage. Right. Chicago is the economic engine of Illinois. So you take it now and uh, suddenly Chicago is Mississippi. I mean, Illinois is Mississippi. Right. You know, and uh, the other thing is I didn't know he runs a Christian school which was modeled after Bob Jones's school uh, in downstate Illinois. The other thing was that... He's a millionaire. He's a, oh, yeah, he's, he's very rich, right? right. He, has, he had a TikTok video where he's standing holding all these large pages. It's the Illinois budget, okay? Mm-hmm. You know... Uh, the, the he goes like the Illinois Democrats gave me gave us only five gave us only six hours to go through the budget. So this is how I deal with it. There's a cut, and he's got an AR-15, 
and he takes an AR-15 and he points it at the um, mm. and uh, points it at the pile of papers and he just shoots it. That's how we deal with the Illinois budget. This guy is running for for a governor. Yes, he's a Republican nominee. Right. This is why Pritzker gave his campaign money. Well, I okay. See, I dealt with this. Uh, Sergio Monroe and I have debated this point. Get your thoughts on this. Uh, I'm, I'm all over the map on this one. The strategy that Pritzker's uh, followed uh, here in Illinois is that uh, Darren Bailey, because he's so extreme, uh, would be easier to defeat than, say, Richard Irvin, the mayor of Aurora. Mm-hmm. Um so they, uh, the Democrats funded commercials intended to promote Bailey's campaign with Republican voters mm-hmm. uh, and uh, like a form of political jujitsu so that the Republican voters would vote for Bailey and then he would be the easier opponent. Um, I'm, I, that frightens me on one level because I take very serious uh, the rhetoric of Bailey and MAGA and I, uh, it's one step closer to becoming reality in the state because he's the Republican candidate. And it also pushes the, it pushes the, uh, the national conversation further to the right. Uh, so I take it very seriously. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. It seems like to be working your thoughts. Uh, well, the um, Democrats have been doing this around the country. Just yeah. in Illinois. Yeah. Uh, secretly funding. Um, very extreme Republican candidates on the premise that it'll be, it'll be easier to um, to uh, uh, beat. That's, that's really risky. Yes. Really risky. Don't ask what you... <laughs> Don't, yeah, yeah. Uh, they can really backfire. Yeah. Well, I don't um, see it backfiring. I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see that. Yeah. Well, we wake up uh, in uh, in November with Governor Elect Bailey. Uh, that's not going to happen. Okay. We, we're not going to. We're not going to have Senator Walker. We're not going to have uh, Senator Oz. Oh, we're not going to have uh, J D. All right, let's okay. JD Vance, Ohio, uh, uh, Dr. Oz from Pennsylvania, yeah. and let's talk Herschel Walker. Okay, uh, and I, I need to hear both of your theories about Herschel Walker, the former football player. Uh, he was ushered in to be the Republican nominee pretty much by virtue of uh, in Georgia, by virtue of Donald Trump's endorsement. Right. Um, if you listen to Herschel Walker speak, address right. an issue. Sergio and Monroe, it's hard to believe that the man is mentally sound. And I just put it out there. Right. Uh, the things he says are so preposterous. The start of a sentence does he, not coincide with the he, He's also ignorant, and he probably took one too many concussions yeah. while he's playing football. And Trump likes him because when Trump was trying to start an alternative football league, when, when they wouldn't let him in the NFL. So he's, he's going to have his own. Herschel was, was one of his players. He came and played for Trump. So they've been friends. I'm doing air quotes here. Yeah. Uh, friends since then. And tr- Trump um, has a, a, a weird um, collection of black friends. <laughs> To say the least, Don, Don, Don um, 
King is one of his friends. Mike Tyson used to be one of his friends. Uh, yeah, no, these uh, a lot of these guys are uh, from the boxing world because Donald Trump uh, would host uh, some of the fights at his hotel right. in Jersey. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and uh, all right, so how effective do you think Herschel Walker will be, Sergio, uh, in the election for Donald Trump? In other words, do you think uh, enough black voters will cross? No, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Go ahead. You know, who was it? He, um, oh, gosh. Newt Gingrich. I just, in passing, I was changing channels, and I saw Newt Gingrich. He said, Herschel was going to bring in a lot of black voters. We showed you how much Newt Gingrich knows about black people. I have to say it. Every time I hear Herschel Walker talk, I immediately think of him as an Andy. I mean, he would have been perfect on that show. His mango syntax, his illogical reasoning. I mean, he's a character. He would have fit right in with Andy and the Kingfish and, and, uh, and Lightning and uh, Calhoun. He would have fit right in. Well, the uh, uh, John McWhorters, I uh, sent this to Monroe. I didn't send it to you, Sergio. Uh, essayist for the New York Times. Uh, accuse the uh, Republicans of playing uh, the Democrat, a perverted version of the Democratic game of um, affirmative action. And this is a column that I sent to Monroe. Uh, I had a lot of issues with this column. Love to get your thoughts on, on the column, Monroe, and just the general idea. Uh, but the attitude being that uh, any black person, so long as they say, whatever it is that Donald Trump writes in a script effectively uh, would be a um, worth putting on the ticket because that would bring over some black voters. Just the fact that he is a black man will automatically bring over some black voters. And then uh, MAGA will love him because he's telling MAGA what they want to hear. Uh, and he said that it was a perverted form of affirmative action. Uh, and then in fact, uh, Herschel Walker is a worse candidate than any, uh, they would tolerate from any white person. I had a little objection to that because I've seen a lot of, uh, white people running as MAGA who are every bit as incoherent, uh, and uh, clueless as uh, Herschel Walker, but go ahead. Monroe. Yeah. One word. Trump. Right. <laughs> Talking about incoherent. <laughs> <laughs> the leader uh, so what do you say Sergio is this uh, affirmative action on uh, steroids in a well, bad first way of all, first of all it, it's an insult to black people and black voters right look we're not stupid okay well, Herschel is, but <laughs> right, we're not stupid. There are there are a few stupid among us, but not many. <laughs> right. I mean, come on. We know what the game is here. We we're not going to vote for him because of black person. That's what white people like to say. Just put a black person in there in that place, saying what we say, and they're, they're going to get elected. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Right. And and um, it just shows absolute contempt. Uh, for black voters and uh, black people in general. 
And uh, it's an insult. Yeah. It's a general insult to think that we're just going to automatically vote for somebody because they're black, even when it's a complete and total nincompoop like Herschel Walker. Yeah. By the way, it's not the first time I sh- the, the, the Republicans have attempted this. Uh, we all lived through the Alan Keyes senatorial yeah. campaign. In yeah, Illinois, I was just about to bring him up. Yeah. I was and, uh, about to bring him up. Uh, that was, I think, I, I could argue that was even a greater disgrace uh, than Herschel Walker. Uh, and then, in many ways, uh, Kanye West's presidential uh, foray uh, in this last election. I, th- I think he was on the ballot in Michigan, or they were fighting to get him on the ballot. I don't know if he ultimately made it. Uh, but it was the same notion, Sergio. Just put Kanye West's name on the ballot as a third-party candidate, and that would uh, siphon votes from Joe Biden. I, absolutely absurd argument, but uh, that's what they're advancing. All right, Sergio Mims, it's time for you to take your victory lap and get Monroe's response. Uh, it was well over a month ago that Sergio said on this show uh, that Joe Biden uh, would not run for president. He did this in the in a way of, say, as I said earlier, criticizing Kamala Harris, saying she should not be the nominee. And I'm like, well, what about Biden? And he go, oh, Biden won't run. Uh, and since you said that, not saying that you were the instigator of this, but there's a movement. Uh, and declared, uh, designated uh, to, or designed, I should say, uh, to uh, have anybody other uh, than Biden. And I think Monroe told me 64%, I think that's the total Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, don't want Joe Biden uh, to uh, run again. So, it's time for your victory lap. Uh, your proclamation has become. <laughs> reality uh do you still cling to the notion that joe biden will not run again no, uh, no. Uh, for several reasons first of all those poll numbers are disastrous yeah uh number two he's old he's 79 years old and he looks it he acts it donald trump is 76 yeah. but he seems to have more vitality well, isn't donald trump dead uh, what? <laughs> what, what? Hold on, hold on, hold on. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. I predicted. Well, I, I, oh I, yeah. Took me a while. I, I said. I said. Who knows if he's still going to be around? No, no, don't. <laughs> you know, guys. I got to tell you. Uh, we have a dear friend of the show, a listener, Frank, who keeps track of all the predictions uh, that any guest makes, particularly you two guys. And every now and then he sends me a text call. Hey, remind Sergio about X, Y, Z. So, uh, or Monroe, uh, Monroe's had Donald Trump convicted and sent to jail, uh, at least a half dozen times. No, Sergio. I have not done that yet. I'm doing it now, but no, I had him, I had him being indicted. Okay, and I I had him indicted after like eighteen months or something, and it took three years instead. You know, so so my Uh, the 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 Congress was slow. Not that I was wrong, but the Congress just took too long. All right, so uh, so Sergio, going back to you, we we uh uh yes, Sergio had him. Sergio had him dead before (laughs) his term was over. Yeah, because of his fault. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. He might be. He's not, now. Now. Now we're 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 playing around with it. Anything right. can still happen. And the other thing. 
Yeah. The other thing is is that um, yeah, Biden at his age, he, he's seventy nine. Um, he's he's the oldest president we've ever had. He's bicycling. He 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 he's he's a, he's in better shape than Trump. Yeah, you can make that argument, but but people go visually, and visually, yeah, I know, you know visually it's a problem. Visually, it's a problem. You know? But he was never vigorous. Thirty-five well, years ago, he wasn't vigorous. Well, so, I, so um, the problem I have is if it's not going to be Biden, then who? Yeah. I don't know. All right, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going mean, to reach out. 2023 is going to be a wild year. It's going to be a wild year. Well, we have to get through the first one. Uh, we have to get through this November election first right, and exactly. then see what the world looks like. But exactly. I, I do plan to bring on Norman Solomon, a uh, leftist, big Bernie supporter who is starting this Don't Run Joe movement. Uh, and I'd like to have him on with Monroe to get like a bit of a debate going on this one. Um so the argument, Sergio, that the don't run Joe movement makes, it's not so much that Joe Biden is old or that he's old, uh, an old 79, because I think Bernie Sanders is older than Joe, but more vigorous. Uh, so it's not the age alone. It's that he does not strongly articulate the issues that motivate Democrats. So he's always a little slow uh, and even he's never forceful, the most obvious one being uh, abortion rights uh, in the aftermath of this devastating ruling in the Dobbs case out of Mississippi. Uh, so do you share those sentiments, Sergio, that Joe Biden does not speak for Democrats uh, loudly enough and coherently enough? I agree with that. That's been another comment. I definitely do agree with that. Um Democrats want somebody who can fight, fight, you know, and we're not getting it. Well, the Democrats are not getting it. They're not getting somebody who can, who is fighting. Uh, There probably are some people out there, but I haven't seen them yet. Maybe, maybe Tim Ryan in Ohio, if he wins his, if he wins his race. Uh, who has a real populist streak? Um, you know the rumors about Gavin, Gavin Newsom. I don't know. That's really and, and of course Governor Pritzker. I know. I was just about to say that the rumors about Pritzker. I don't know. Yeah. Well, by the way, it's interesting how uh, in, how fast things move in politics. Gavin Newsom, just several months ago, was the target of a recall. Right. Uh, election in California, where it looked as though, speaking of really insane uh, black Republicans, Larry Elder might might replace him as governor of California. Monroe and I talked about that a lot. Right. And, and if you'll recall, what did I say? Not you said, fat chance. Right. <laughs> that guy is crazier than right. Herschel Walker. Okay. Right. I'm just putting it out. Oh, no, not crazier. <laughs> the same feel. And, and the difference is he's smarter than Herschel. Yeah. I, well, I here's the other thing, too. Here's the other thing, too. And uh, Charlie Sykes at the Bulwark wrote a piece last week. Uh, Everyone's talking about the Santas. Because the Santa's going to be the person. Santa's going to be the GOP candidate. 
he's ahead in the polls over Trump. But Sykes wrote this piece. Remember all the previous people yeah. who at one time were the person? Yeah. And then they faded. There was Wesley Clark. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred Thompson. GOP. Wow. Everybody thought he was the guy. He faded. Um, uh, Rick Perry at one time was yeah. the person. Newt Gingrich. I mean, there is a history. There is a long list of candidates, potential presidential candidates, who shot out of a cannon. Giuliani. 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 Wow. That's true. Giuliani at one time. That is true. That is true. Um, And they just exploded in midair. So I'm going to take back what I was. I've been saying that Satan is going to be a guy. I'm not sure now. Because, right, anything can happen. Hey, don't forget, last mayor election, I think there was one time, everybody thought it was going to be Susan Mendoza. She's got it. Everybody else go home. And Lightfoot was a nice place. Yeah. Funny how things change. Well, I uh, I was wrong in that one. And uh, I, I predicted Tony Perkwinkle. At, when she announced, like, oh, she's our next mayor. Uh, and then she came to the hideout and with, I saw how bad she was as a, on the campaign when she did a, a show there. And I realized, oh, no, this, this may be one of the worst mayoral uh, candidates I'd ever seen. She was so uncertain about what she stood for. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying, uh, Sergio. And again, to DeSantis, once DeSantis emerges, if this happens uh, as a candidate running against Trump, and so then you have Trump turning all his venom uh, in the direction of DeSantis, Monroe, any, I mean, I've seen Jeb Bush go down, uh, Marco Rubio go down. So will MAGA s- move to DeSantis in the face of a counterpunch from Donald Trump? I don't know. It's, I have a hard time believing that. And no, that's what they yeah. won't. Yeah. They won't. When Trump gets into, when DeSantis gets whatever nickname Trump gets him, that's going to be the beginning of the end for him. Yeah. And and Trump is going to get in early because he is concerned about DeSantis. And so yeah. he's, he, he may, he may announce a two or three weeks from now. Wow. So, well, I, they were saying he was going to announce on the 4th of July weekend. That didn't happen. Yeah. No, I listen, Donald Trump, his popularity with MAGA astounds me. Uh, as like, I, be, I began, I'll begin the show. The, uh, I'll end the show the way I began it. Uh, the divide in America today where we have a congressional committee, Sergio Monroe, presenting evidence of an insurrection that was incited by Donald Trump, an attempt to have a coup and uh, undermine and destroy democracy. The evidence is right there for all of us to see, justified by phony claims of a stolen election. Uh, The fact that we could present that to America and still have 75% of Republicans support Donald Trump is a greater divide that I've seen in this country in my lifetime, Monroe Anderson, in my lifetime and your lifetime are about the same. Go. Is it, is is it that they really believe that or it's just more owning the lips? Uh, What difference does it make? No, that's true. You know, really what, I mean, I thought I used to think that way 
Sergio, like when when I like we start, we'll start like I'll re- repeat this. Liz Cheney says I re- to prove that she's unbiased. She goes, I really wanted Donald Trump to win re-election. I voted for Donald Trump. I campaigned for Donald Trump. And then he tried to steal uh, the election for democracy. And I'm like, how in the world can you believe that? How could you actually believe that you wanted Donald Trump to win, given the four years, everything that went down in those four years? And so I, I quit saying, do they really believe this? Or is it just something they're saying? The reality is the same thing, right? They're not willing to defy him. So what difference does it make if they're just chicken or they actually believe him? We've lost Monroe temporarily. It happens from time to time. Uh, But this is a good opportunity to close down the show. Uh, Sergio, by asking you, any updates for Black Harvest Film Festival, the greatest film festival in the city of Chicago? um, We we have gotten so many submissions. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. And we're going to have to go through all of them, which we're doing right now. Um, we should have a complete schedule by August, even though the festival is not to November. We should have a festival to August. Uh, I can tell you, we're also working on showing. Um, um, is he back? Okay. Yeah, uh, 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 Cooley High. Um, there's going to be a new 4K restoration of that movie coming out. And. Um, of by the fall. And so we want to tie that in Uh great Chicago story, great Chicago film. Um, so we're, we're working. Uh, I got to say Monroe looks good. Monroe looks very good. No, he's, doing tai chi. he's doing Tai Chi. He's unbelievable. Tai chi. Yeah. He does yeah. it all the time. Uh, Monroe is, yeah. yeah, he's looking really good. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been doing it almost two years now, Sergio, and you haven't seen me in a while, but, I now yeah, have, I haven't. I was just about to say that. Yeah, I now have a two pack <laughs> of beer. <laughs> He's working. Can't the other four. I'm working on the other four. Yeah, you take the other four. You got two uh, yeah. left. I, I, I got a two pack. I got four more to go. Uh, um, uh, well, I've lost a lot of weight too. I really have. I lost a lot of weight. Oh, you uh, have? Okay, yeah. yeah. We haven't seen each other in person in a while. No, we haven't seen each other. I am I'm slim and trim, um, and in fighting I, shape. Yeah, I um, um, yeah. So both of us are doing well. Maybe one day you'll be having um dinners again. Oh God! All right, wait. Before I uh, close the show, I have to ask you: this. Are you a fan of James Con, the uh, actor who just passed? Oh, one of the icons. You know what? Here's the thing. Okay. Um. His generation, they're getting old. Yeah. And uh, today is Harrison Ford's birthday. He's 80. Wow. Mm. Uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Gene Hackman, God bless him, he's 90. Uh, Robert Duvall is 90. Met these actors of their, gen- of their generation from the 60s yeah. and 70s. They're getting up there. So uh, I hate to say it. We're going to be getting bad news as it comes along from time to time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I grew up with these actors. You grew up with these actors. They made an indelible impact. And not only also actors who had passed away a long time ago, Sidney Poitier, uh, Sean Connery. 
they made such an impact on us. So uh, James Caan, a really, ter- a really terrific actor, really great actor. Well, we- and uh, he was one of those fortunate actors who made films that will stand the test of time. Of course, The Godfather, The Gambler, terrific movie. Thief, Michael Mann's movie. Um, um, of, it was just on the tip of my tongue. Um, misery. 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 Yeah, Misery. But what's the other movie I was just about the um Oh, I just jumped a blank on it. But that shows you. I mean, so many great pictures he made. You know, and as an actor, that's what you want. You want to say, look back in your body of work and said, that was okay. That was pretty good. Well, we maybe should do a, uh, a retrospective, uh, you and Chris Buddy, uh, on uh, uh, James Caan. And also, we have to do a special show, Cooley High. I would argue Cooley High is the greatest movie ever made in the city of Chicago. Uh, it's one of the 10 greatest movies of the 1970s. Uh, and uh, I'm really glad that you're keeping the Cooley High legacy alive. Uh, and um, so maybe one day we should do a Cooley High movie. Hugely influ- influential in my life, I can tell you that right now, uh, Sergio. Um, Cooley when High. When did the Cooley High close? The, the school itself, I believe yeah. the school itself, I'm doing this off the top of my head, early 70s. So, and the, the, the time in the movie Cooley High is, I think, 1964, 1963. Yeah, it's early 60s. Right? Early 60s, yeah. Um, all right, we have run out of time. Sergio Mims, Black Harvest Film Festival, Monroe Anderson, legendary uh, uh, journalist in the city of Chicago. And they are both dear friends, even though uh, they tend to argue from time to time. Uh, thank you very much, uh, gentlemen, uh, for coming on the show. And I also want to thank uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Sergio Monroe will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for the marvelous. Keep yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. All right. Take care. Take care.